Hello and welcome to the Rocky Peak Young Adults Podcast. We meet Sunday nights at 7.30 at the church at Rocky Peak. For info on upcoming events, find us on Instagram at rpyoungadults. Enjoy the message. What up, RPYA fam? Bam, how y'all doing tonight? Oh, man. I hope you guys got your fingers ready because you guys are open and willing. You guys are open to ask any question that you guys want tonight. So go ahead and take your cell phones out right now and put this number in. Yeah, go ahead and take them out. Take them out. It's okay. Take them out. Take them out. Everybody, take them out. All right. Now open up your, uh, you know, your apps and put in this number because at the end of our pre-requested you know, uh, questions, we're going to do a speed, lo- speed round where we're just going to try to answer as many questions that came up during our conversation as possible. Sounds good? Yeah. Great. So that number is 949-791-9377. Perfect. All right. 949-791-9377. It's called the RPYA hotline. And you know what? I would recommend you lock it into your, you know, your Androids, your iPhones, your Apples and oranges. 949-791-93. Does anybody have any Blackberries? Is Blackberry, is that, is that still a thing? Blackberry phone? That's only if you're in the military or something, right? 949-791-9377. All right. So uh, tonight's uh, Q&R, I just want you to know a couple things. We're in a series called Relationology where we have been studying, you know, the science and the psychology and what the Bible actually says about relationships. And we've gone about four or five weeks now, and now we're ending with a Q&R. So if you missed any of those awesome messages. Feel free to scroll back in our podcast. All of our podcast listeners, we're glad that you tuned in. Um, Just scroll back into the archives and just hit play on any of those Relationology sermons. Um, Tonight, I've actually invited a very special guest to join me, uh, respond to some of your questions. And tonight, I've invited uh, a friend of mine who's been in the pro-life ministry for over four years. She actually created a... um, a curriculum called Ask Anything where she would go into schools and answer the questions that anybody would ask uh, about sex and, you know, relationships and abortion specifically. Um, She is also um, a spiritual leader in our ministry. She's a life group leader. And a life group leader is not just somebody who opens up their home and allows people to just talk about anything. She's actually a, a spiritual mentor to lots of women. Uh, I consider her a shepherd um, of the people in this room. And so she's a safe person to talk to if you're struggling with any of these things. Afterwards, her name is <laughs> Krista Estrada. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome her up. She's awesome. Krista, Krista, Krista face. Yeah. All right, so, um, Krista, we got a, a lot of questions here. Yes, we do. Uh, but before we get started, where did you just come from? I just want people to know how popular this woman is. I just came from an Ask Anything, actually. It's amazing because um, this was the second year in a row we've been asked to come back to Holy Cross, and it's part of their confirmation classes. It's a Catholic church, and yet we get to go in there and share the gospel and answer all of their questions, and so... 
I'm very fresh from answering yeah. questions. They're actually still coming because I, uh, I tell them if we don't get a chance to answer their questions in the session, I say, text me permission to respond, and I can try to get back to you. And they're all, permission to respond, permission to answer my question. Aww. Lots of questions on um, – Lots of questions. This is a high school group, like endless on gender identity, um, right. transgender right. questions, um, a lot of things about same-sex attraction. So, yeah, good stuff. Very excited stuff. for this group tonight. This will be my first uh, young adult group. I usually speak to high schoolers, so we can talk more candidly yeah, amongst we can. each other. Yeah, yeah. very excited. They for want that. the real deal. They want the needy greedy. The needy greedy. Yeah. All right. So yeah, like like let's do this. Let's just the, the clock is running. So. We have uh, about 58 minutes left. We're going to um, rapid fire these. We're going to as fast as possible. We're going to try to get as fast as possible. I have a feeling that we're going to get through these questions really fast. But uh, I've asked the audience, if you haven't already, take your phones out. Put the, qu put the phone number in. Uh, because at the end of these questions, we're going to just rapid fire all of these questions. All right? On the spot. Yeah. So in case you didn't get that number, it's 949-791-9377. Seven. Again, that's 791, sorry, area code 949-791-9377. So let's get the first question on the table, and then we'll keep going from there. All right, so Krista, you have great uh, vocal situations because you're a worship leader. Would you mind? Vocal situations? <laughs> yeah, I don't so, even know. So sing every single question. <laughs> no, yeah, if ahead. we have previously given ourselves. No, just kidding. All right. Uh, Look at us, right. so awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Crush it. Okay. Uh, All right. So we're just so jumping in. First jumping question. in. First question. Go ahead and read the it. The clock is ticking. Okay. If we've previously given ourselves sexually to others, many or few, they're leaving it real ambiguous for yep. us. Thank what you. What does that mean for our future spouse? Are we still able to give our future spouse everything they deserve? Are we worthy to give ourselves to them? This person went deep. I know. I know. Well, I, there's a couple things that that jump out to me when it comes to this question because there's a there's a lot of you know presuppositions like there's something that they're revealing about what they believe about like themselves like how do you know you're going to get married right yeah i know yeah like how do you know <laughs> so, are you still complete then you know because the reality is that they're asking everything they deserve like how do you know what they deserve like what do people deserve do they deserve everything like so there's there's this idea that like wow i'm 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 not enough to give you, like, or your spouse, what everything that they deserve. And I just thought that was interesting just out of that question. And I just, my heart kind of goes for that person, that they would feel inadequate in that way. But what would you say? Oh, well, absolutely. I mean, I think you have to think. Uh, a lot of these questions are like questions upon questions, right. filling in the gap of this question. Mm -hmm. um, and so basically the reality of the fallen world that we live in is that although Christ redeems us, he makes us new creations. And that's something that I talk about all the time in my talks is that we're made new, whether yep. your virginity was given, whether it was taken from you. I know there's way more abuse than mm -hmm. um, we want to admit in our culture. Um, so whatever the the cause may have been for you losing your innocence, your purity, um, absolutely Jesus can redeem our hearts. We have the renewing of our minds through scriptures, but unfortunately we live in a fallen world and we 
do have yeah. physical consequences to our sin. Absolutely. Um, there are certain things, let's say you've, you've slept around and now you have STDs. Maybe you had an unplanned pregnancy. Um, it could be a lot of different things. There are physical consequences, but it doesn't mean that we aren't fully made completely whole and new in Jesus Christ. Amen, amen. Uh, I completely agree with you. And I love that the, the book of Hebrews uh, 4, 16, they actually say it says, in Christ, we have the ability to approach God's throne, yeah. right? So if we have the ability in our sinfulness to be covered by the blood of Jesus, to be completely healed, to approach the throne of God, then of course, then we can approach any relationship with that same kind of confidence, mm-hmm. right? But that only happens in Christ. Right. But I love that what you said, that there's physical consequences, even though you are spiritually renewed. So mm-hmm. beautiful, beautiful. Next question. Next question. Are you still saved if you have an abortion? I'm going to let you handle that one. Oh, <laughs> actually, um, you know, because you're like really specialist in this, but I, I, yeah, I, love, I love the okay. idea that somebody would attach salvation to something like this uh, because th- there's a deeper question, right? Because, you know, do I, is there anything I can do to, to not be saved? That would be like the deeper question. Right. But yeah, I mean, the reality is, is that salvation is by grace through faith and not from yourself so that no one can boast. So if this person is listening, they really need to memorize Ephesians 2, 8 through 9. But Krista, take it away. Uh, okay, so the short answer is yes. Um, there is either a sin that is greater than other sins that blocks you from the gates of heaven or there aren't. Um, And so are there sins? And we always think it's our sin that's the worst sin. Um, But in my years of working um, at the community pregnancy clinic, the CPC, I worked with the most amazing counselors, and some of the most amazing counselors were post-abortive women. Um, Absolutely redeemed. They went through healing. Um, And whenever I talk to a room of people, whether it's it's a Christian group or not, Um, I always keep in mind that there are post-abortive people in the audience. And so maybe that is you today, um, and maybe you've never shared that with anybody. I was a volunteer coordinator also with, like, marketing and outreach at CPC. And so I had the privilege of interviewing lots of women, and there were so many women, um, because it was one of the things you had to write in your application, so many women in their 50s and 60s who had never shared with a single soul that they had had an abortion before. And they carried so much shame. There was so much weight on them with the secret. And the statistic is that one in three women in America have experienced an abortion, will experience an abortion in their lifetime. And so looking around this room, that could be a lot of women here. Um, There could be men here who took a girlfriend um, or nodded the head to abortion. Or I've even talked to men who um, the mother of the baby uh, went and got an abortion, didn't even tell them about it, and then they dealt with a lot of pain from that. Um, But they felt like they weren't allowed to talk about the pain because it was the woman's choice and they don't have any say in it. So there's a lot of things I could say about this. Um, But absolutely, abortion is not, just like every other sin, the unforgivable sin. And if you are the person here who has never brought this to light, who has never um, told anybody that they've had an abortion before, you have absolutely nothing to fear Um, coming to the light with that, somebody that you trust, um, bringing it to the Lord. There's 100% forgiveness and healing. And God has a great plan for your life, and that is not stopping you from entering into a relationship with Jesus if you'll let him into that part. Well said, well said, well said. Thank you. Thank you. Next question. 
Next question. What if your parents don't agree about your relationship? Dude, I'm like, who are you dating? Uh, <laughs> I want to know. Like, <laughs> I, you know, the, the interesting thing is that the Bible does actually talk a lot about the parent-child relationship, and which brings us to a reality is at what point are, are we not children? And the Bible says in Ephesians 6, 2, that children are to obey their parents in the Lord. Um, and then it says, honor your father and mother. And the crazy thing is, I, I think about this, is that this person may not understand the difference between obedience and honor. Hmm. Because when you're a child, right, you need to be taught to obey. Children don't need to learn disobedience. They're really good at it naturally. Uh, you know, and honestly, most of us are probably in the same boat, right? But children actually do need to learn to obey their parents, and they're doing it for the Lord, which is even a better incentive. Now, eventually, a child ceases to be a child when they are no longer dependent upon their parents. So if you're living under their household, if you're financially dependent, maybe you're not living under their household, but you cannot do this life without them, you are still kind of obligated to obey them. Now, at a certain point, as in an adult, your job is to honor them, and that means to not bring shame upon your family. So you're not going to do anything intentionally to hurt your father or mother. So, um, so those are the that's the distinction between children and what would what would you be as an adult? Um, but the reality is, if you stop listening to older people's advice, you will stunt your growth as a person. Right? The enemy of learning anything is thinking that you know everything. And so if, and you know, and I like, I think we talked about this briefly, um, about like get, getting advice. If you're only getting advice from people your own age, what, what, would, what would you say to somebody who's only getting advice from people their own age? Blind leading the blind. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, you definitely need, I mean, the best thing I've ever done for my walk with the Lord is by getting a bunch of what I like to call mama friends. Mm. My mama friends, they are the uh, 50, 60-year-old women been walking with the Lord 30, 40 years or their whole life. They got legacies. Mm-hmm. They have a great track record. They're in a successful marriage. They've had successful relationships. They, yeah, it's like to, to glean their wisdom mm-hmm. is the best thing that you could do for your walk with the Lord. Yeah, absolutely. If you're 15 years old, the worst thing you could possibly do about making life decisions is ask another 15-year-old, right? They don't always have the best ideas. Right, they don't always have the best ideas. But you may be 20 years old, but that that's just a, a 15-year-old that's only five years older. It's like, it's not yeah. that much life experience. Anyways, next question. Yeah, there's listen, a lot we could say there. But. Listen to your mama unless they're telling you to disobey Jesus. All right. Yes. All right. Regarding dating... I meet many non-believers or skeptics who are interested in me and in a, and a relationship. How do I communicate clearly in a non-threatening or judgmental way that I choose not to pursue a committed relationship with someone who does not share my faith in Christ? So don't you, like, bring some baptism water and, like... <laughs> You're like, y'all need to be saved. <laughs> Get away. Is that what you do, Krista? Uh, no. Are you asking me what I do? Yeah. Okay, I can tell you what I do. Well, yeah. here's... Here's your, your name's highlighted there. I mean, it is like, highlighted. Defer to Krista. I mean, I always just, I, I always offer the, oh, you're um, just being kind. But this is my question. No, I'm just kidding. You have not been baptized. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, 
I have, um, like, I recently had opened myself to online dating, right? And we'll definitely get into online dating later. Um, but there would be, like, you know, God, Christian, like, goes to church in the bio, and then you you meet them, and it's like, oh, you're not actually, okay, you're yeah. not actually, you can tell, you know, you can tell. Yeah. Um, so number one thing is um, I think it's important to keep in mind that if you are a fired-up believer, you're excited about what Jesus is doing in your life, if you're excited about anything, you talk about it. It's your life. It's right. it's such a huge part of who you are. And I was telling Kelly earlier, like, you know, I tried CrossFit for the first time because some people here on staff are, like, crazy about it. I don't recommend it, honestly. <laughs> I had to pull over. I, uh, my second day of CrossFit, I pulled over in a CVS parking lot, with, and I projectile vomited uh. in front of shoppers. Okay, it's awful. I do you not should not drink CrossFit. Drink CrossFit? Yeah, you don't drink CrossFit. You don't need to vomit CrossFit. I did, are you saying that I was drinking? I don't know. I was like, why would you vomit? <laughs> if I've never done CrossFit, why uh, would I assume that you, I would It didn't matter. It was, it was like water and whatever chicken was it. Anyway, uh, we don't have to go into the details of my vomit. That's weird. Let's move past that. Okay. Let's move past that for a second. Um, but if I were to meet a guy, right, and he is like, Oh, yeah, I was so, oh, what'd you do today? Oh, I, you know, doing this CrossFit competition, and me and my friends, yeah, and blah, 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 and CrossFit's their life, and they're so passionate about it, they go to the gym every single week, I'm like, we are not meant for each other, like, right. we're not going to have a CrossFit relationship, I tried it, it didn't work, if it works for you, right, you'll usually get the same response from somebody who is not a believer, does not want to have anything to do with God, doesn't go to church, no interest in faith, um, they're going to look at your life, and honestly, they should should be unattracted. They should be unattracted. And if you are not attracting Christian men, I would maybe examine, huh, where am I at? If you're only attracting people who are completely worldly and do things that would go against things that are going to grow you in your faith, um, I would ask, why am I so attractive to this type of person? Um, and so I think it's easy, like for me, a lot of times, like guys online dating, meet them, they said they're Christian, obviously they're not because they're trying to ask me to go with them to their place so that we can hook up. And when I say, I don't even have to say that I'm Christian. All that I say is, oh, you know what? I don't do that. I don't have sex, I, I, um, we're not going to have sex together unless you marry me. They're like, hey, I don't think it's going to work out. Peace out. G but good luck to you. Like, they'll break up with you. Right. Right? So you don't have to worry about it. You don't have to worry about being judgmental Christian. A lot of these things will work themselves out if you truly are committed to walking in a right relationship with Jesus first and foremost. Well said, Krista. Next question. Or I'm is not, there anything else you wanted to add? No, no. Trust me. I, uh, I'm, I got mine. Through. I'm good. Um, so, yeah, go ahead. All right. Uh, I've always been told when I meet my future spouse, I'll just know or I'll just feel it. Is that how it actually works? How do I balance actively searching for a spouse while trusting the Lord that I'll cross paths with the right person for me? Ah, oh, man, this whole feel it thing. So uh, three weeks ago we talked, or two weeks ago, we talked about the right person myth here right. at RPYA. This person may have missed that weekend. Um, so I would highly recommend you go back to the Right Person Myth podcast and re-listen to this. But you can defeat the Right Person Myth, which is a myth. There's no such thing as a right person, right? Um, and this idea of feeling it, like, oh, we're just going to feel it. There's going to be, like, this magical moment in between me and that person. There, there is something happening in your brain when you meet a person like that. But it's not love. It's something else. 
And um, the, the things that the Bible, if you, you know, if you're going to follow what, what God's word says, if, you, if you're going to look for the right person, it's actually outlined for you in the Bible in 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7. And typically you hear this passage wherever weddings are sold. Uh, and then, but you don't really attribute it to what, the, what, what a person could look like if they actually live this out. Mm-hmm. And so without going into that, 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7 is your right person list. That is what the right person looks like. And instead of searching for the right person, focus on becoming the right person. Mm-hmm. And, in, and, in, and during that time, you might make yourself available and you might find somebody running alongside you headed in that direction. And it's not going to be that complicated. You're not going to have to be searching and digging through rocks or through the Internet to find the quote-unquote right person. They're just going to be headed in the same direction as you. Mm-hmm. Thoughts? Yeah, I think that's great. I think there's a the second question would be great okay. to add on to that. So the next question is, I've always wanted to wait on God mm-hmm. and his plan when it comes to dating, but I've been curious about online dating. Oh, work it. Is it okay to make an account and meet people that way? I definitely think it's okay. Yes, it's okay to make an account for sure. In fact, I did a lot of online dating before I met my wife. And so it actually took the uh, angst out of every relationship that I would meet. So, like, you know, I would go to a party, and, like, any, any hot girl that walks in the door, like, my brain would just be like, oh, is this the one? Right? <laughs> like, and then, and I'm like, you know, I really need to diversify my options. I need to, like, make my pool of dating a little bit, like, broader. And it actually did take the angst out of it where I wasn't so thirsty, you know? <laughs> so it was just really interesting. So. Thoughts? What's your online dating experience? My online dating experience? Yeah. Uh, I have had lots of experiences. I got stories for days. It just depends what kind of story you want to hear. Um, and, you know, I've learned a lot. I've definitely learned a lot about dating. Um, this might be hard to believe, but I never dated that much, like, before I was honestly, like, 24-ish. Um because guys at church, like, never asked me out, ever. And I would just be like, what's wrong with me? I'm a gargoyle. Like, what is it? Um, but uh, then I, like, finally gave in. And actually, I didn't start online dating until maybe just, like, two years ago. Um, but coming to Rocky Peak, I got asked out a little bit more than other churches. But. It's a, bi- um, it's a bigger network. It's a bigger pool, I guess, yeah. Yeah. Um, but with online dating, I was so hesitant um, because it was like, I'm not trusting in God. I'm not being patient enough. I just need to, like, stay on my course and, like, just keep serving, which is true. I think, like, you yeah. can just absolutely keep serving. Um, I would just really caution the person who's going to enter online dating in really making sure that um, what you're looking for is, like, the person who's not afraid to be, like, explicitly Christian in their profile. Um, And I've never actually done, like, Christian dating sites. I've done, like, Bumble and Coffee Meets Bagel um, and, uh, yeah, like, just a regular regular ones like that. They're free. But I've had a lot of bad experiences of people not really – being Christians, even though they'll be like, oh, yeah, I'm Christian. What church do you go to? Oh, I go to this church. And then I'm like, you are totally not like a Christ follower. You are nominally a Christian. 
Um, but you'll see the ads. It's like, you know, God is your number one. Find your number two. Like, <laughs> find God's match for you, right? Like, it's that like, comes oh, it's divine. I'm like so targeted for those ads. I'm like, leave me alone. Um, but I absolutely think online dating is okay. Yeah. Um, make sure that you have your clear boundaries set out before you go. Like, I mm -hmm. don't get alone with guys. Um, I don't give them my address for like a super long time. Right. If they ever like, hey, I want to come pick you up, don't do it. Don't do it. You don't know who this person is. They're just like certain practical things. Right. And then also if you have like a mentor in your life and you're letting them know like who are you going out with, it's good to have a second opinion on things mm. when you're meeting total strangers. Absolutely. And to make sure they're just very Christian to the best of your ability. Yeah, you usually can find out within 15 minutes at a, at a coffee date. Yeah, Kelly feels very strongly about the coffee dates. Yeah, the first dates need to be coffee dates. What happens I've had if you don't like coffee? Well, let's just get some bagels. Uh. I'll have the hot water, please. Yeah. <laughs> Let's, let's keep moving. All right. Should I stop being friends with one of my best friends? They're interested in, in me, but I'm not interested in them. Oh. Ouch, ouch. Dang. I wonder if they know <laughs> that you're not interested in them. They're interested in me. But I know they're sure that they're interested in me. Yeah, she, she, this person's pretty confident that she's got a friend that's really interested in I have a pretty clear answer for this one but you but you can go first you know I um I well we talked about this one and I just really liked your response but the reality is is that um, the, these type of conversations are really are, are difficult uh, and I understand that uh, you probably don't want to sacrifice the relationship but it really doesn't seem like um, this relationship's going to go too much further Krista um you need to stop torturing this poor soul thank you that is what I would say. Stop torturing them. Um, if you're sure that somebody's interested in you, like let's say your friend has like expressed their feelings, but you're, and this is kind of assuming a lot too. Like we're assuming this is like a guy and a girl. Right. And um, maybe it's a same sex attracted kind of one. We have those questions coming up later, I think, so we won't get to that yet. Um, but if you're sure that like, if you're a girl and your guy friend who maybe you're calling is like your best friend, and then he finally like declares his love for you and you're like, oh no, like, I just like you as a friend, and he's like, oh, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine, we can be friends, you know. Yeah. No, that's so hurtful, that's so mean. You're torturing his soul, and you need to stop hanging out one-on-one, -on -one because what that is, is it's dating. Yeah. So no hanging out one-on-one -on -one with dudes, especially when you know they're interested in you. Um, it's just cruel. Yeah, and you know, it's the, truth. It's, it's, the it's the worst. It's um, the worst. And people will worst. start looking down on you if they heard about this, and yeah. they see you. Don't do it. Okay, so... What happened was this, what happened was <laughs> was this one girl. Okay, so this, this happened to me. Uh, I was on the other end. Oh, um, but I made, But I did make my intentions clear, and she was super ambiguous until she showed up, um, and that was an awkward situation. So what happened was I met this girl, and uh, we started hanging out. Like This seemed like it was headed in uh, the right direction that I wanted. I expressed my intent. She was cool with it. And she would spend time with me, and my, and my friends loved her, and this was great. I thought this was headed in the right direction. And until one day she thought, like, she, she, like, told me she's going back home, and, um, you know, she, she asked me to pick her up from the airport when she came back. And so I picked her up, and I was, like, all sweet and nice. So I got some balloons and some flowers, and I, like, made sure my car smelled good. And, uh, <laughs> careful, watch what's going to happen next. This <laughs> is setting you up. Um, so I pick her up. She's on her phone. She doesn't get off the phone for like 25, 30 minutes. We're halfway down. Uh, we're halfway on our way to her house. We're on the freeway. And then she tells me that she went home to get engaged to a man that she's been dating for a few years. 
And she was using me because she yeah. was lonely. Don't get used and abused, and don't be a user. So that Not was good. the last time I talked to her yeah. and uh, deleted everything. I was done. So, All yeah, right. so that happens. That happens. I mean, people use people, and then yeah. you can be doing it unintentionally because you're afraid of hurting their feelings. And Man, yeah. just rip that Band-Aid off. Next question. Uh, next question. What do you think of a guy? This is like, this is so real. This is the specific. Okay. Anyway. No, this what do you think <laughs> of a guy? What do you think of a guy okay, I'll tell who is willing to wait for a girl for three years as friends okay. and then gets left behind for another guy and his heart broken? Mm. How does he go about recovery and becoming vulnerable again? Uh, how can he ever love another? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to laugh. I'm not going to make fun of this guy. Never going to dance again. <laughs> it's stuck all right. in all of your heads now for the rest of today. Um, okay. I can tell you what I think of him. <laughs> I don't know. Once we got to let him down easy, okay? So okay. I'll go first. Because um, I was that guy, you know, with yeah. every, with, like, seriously, I was the hopeless romantic. Like, I, my heart was shattered when I found out that Angelina Jolene was, like, marrying somebody else. And I was like, what? How is this happening to me? How can I ever love another again? And so that was my life. So, how dare. How dare she? I was, like, so, like, mind-blown. Um, when she got pregnant, I'm like, I thought she was a virgin. Um, and so, I was like, ah, oh, how can this happen to me? We're reeling it people. in. We're right. reeling it in. Anyways, so what happens is um, um, guys, any even girls, they have an ability to put all of their self-esteem and all of their, um, their, their, their security or identity in another person. And so whatever that other person thinks of them, that's – what that that's what validates them. And so this person clearly had a, a friend that that she, that he loved or, or was infatuated with and she somehow made a promise. She's like, "Okay, listen, in 3 years, you know, we're going to be in a, a different promise place." promise or was trying to let him down easy and he didn't take the graceful exit. He did not. He did it. It's but not in 3 really years a relationship right now. Yeah, but in 3 years he like had his hopes up. He's like, "Okay, fine. Clock is ticking, you know." Yeah. Um and so he goes three years, and then she ends up Countdown finding some other dude. <laughs> but, but the thing is, is that she still is not obligated to him. Right. And his value is not dependent upon whether or not somebody's romantically interested in you. So two things needs to happen with this guy. First, he needs to find something else in his life that's more important than finding a girl. Two, he needs to grow in his confidence. Yeah. <laughs> Krista, go ahead. Oh, yeah. I mean, there are certain things we don't know about this question, right? So we're obviously filling in a lot of gaps. Yeah. But um, it could have been that, like, he went to his friend that he really liked and was like, I really like you. And she's like, I am not wanting to be in a relationship right now, maybe something in the future. And so he holds on to the hope. Right. But what he's trying to do is he's trying to date somebody who's unavailable. And so I would just put out the advice thing, look, don't try to date people who are unavailable. For whatever reason, if anybody ever tells you, whether it's like, I just broke up with somebody, I need some time, I am committing to a certain amount of time of singleness um, for my own whatever you're trying to grow from in life, or I just don't want to be in a relationship right now. If anybody's ever telling you that they're unavailable, just consider them unavailable and move on as you would as if they were not they were in a relationship with somebody else. Yeah. And I want to speak to that vulnerable again. Like, how can I be vulnerable again? And uh, part of the thing is, is that there might be a forgiveness process that does not involve the other person. Okay? 
um, this may just be between you and God, where you release that person mm-hmm. from the responsibility of making you feel significant. You just release them of the responsibility of making you feel significant. I think that would yeah, be. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Moving on. Uh, next question. When I read 1 Peter 3, 1, it gives advice to wives with husbands of non-believers. Mm. Does this mean we can marry people who are non-believers? <laughs> solid logic. You got a quick, we got a quick <laughs> answer for that one. All right. So, solid. We got a quick no. answer? Do we need to go? Co- oh, because we're at 30? Okay. So, I'm just saying it's a so, yeah. So, basically, the context of the passage has to do with uh, relationships. So, if you read 1 Peter 2, it's like, foreigners in now this world. Like, so we are foreigners in a world that doesn't belong to us because we're Christians. And so there's an order that you should still live in, even though you're now spiritually different. So foreigners, human authority, like government, the next one, slave master. And then it then talks to wives who are married to unbelieving spouses. So the 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 answer, so, so this person is saying, well, since Paul is giving uh, directions to people who are spiritually unequally yoked, should I then purposely go into an unevenly yoked situation? No. And the answer is absolutely not. See, you can st- see, you don't start a relationship with opposite spiritual paths, mm-hmm. but you don't end a marriage because spiritual paths diverge. Right, right, yeah. So if you already were married to them, then you become a Christian. You don't get divorced because they didn't also become a Christian with you. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Next. Um, Ephesians 5.22 to 24 says that wives must submit to their husbands. It's <laughs> usually how that's said. Submit to your husband. What does this mean for us in 2018, almost 2019? Yeah. What does it mean? What does it mean? Well, um, I mean, I like that they start with Ephesians 5.22 and not Ephesians 5.21 because Ephesians 5.21 actually gives you the context of this type of relationship. Tell us. Well, it says, (laughs) yes, I will. Uh, It says submit to one another as uh, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And in this particular culture, women actually didn't have any rights. There were no, there was no relationship. The fact that Paul is even talking to a woman in this particular context assumes that women could even read or even are part of the conversations where these directions are given to a whole church, which is also really profound for this particular situation in the first century Greco-Roman world. So it says wives, so verse 22, wives, submit yourselves. Wow, yourselves, which means nobody else has to make you submit. You do it yourself, right? And then it says, to your own husbands, this is not to all men, Yeah. right? So God is concerned with an order of operation. Remember PEMDAS when you were in Algebra 2, right? <laughs> so there's an... I belong to all of Algebra. algebra I belong to all, yeah, so... From so, my mental health. <laughs> yes, and so... <laughs> And so there's an order to organizing, like, the church and the family. And this word submit is a bad word in our culture. But the Bible, remember, let's not forget verse 21, submit to one another. Guys, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And, and, and this would have blown people's minds away. Like, you really want me to submit to a woman? Die for her. Die for her. Yeah. Lay down your life. Yeah, yeah. And if you read the the whole passage. If you read the whole thing, women really have kind of the better deal. They really do. I don't know. I can't say anything. (laughs) 
But it says, but the word submit, the word submit is a, um, is a, is a uh, like a military term. So you're submitting in position, not in value. You're submitting in position, not in value. So basically, I, I went to a woman's conference because I was serving uh, at it. And this one lady was like really like threw me off. She's like, yeah, you know, women submit to your husbands. That just means duck so that God can hit your husband in the face. Right? <laughs> oh. I'm like, all right, uh, that's a good example. All right. Well, with that transition. Yes, next question. Here's another good question. Is it okay if you're an actor and do a sex scene without nudity? So it was just like implied sex. Yeah, The curtains blow in the wind as it pans over and And you don't see anything. Yeah, but But it's a sex scene. It's a sex scene. Everybody knows. Yeah. Your your body's moving like it's a sex scene. Yeah, go ahead. (laughs) Tell us, what does the word say? The word says, I can tell you what the word says. All right, so this is this is tricky. Um, my wife's an actress, and we've had conversations like this where people need to define what their boundaries are before even going into the acting yeah. world. Now, the temptation for young Christians is to create your boundaries based on other people who claim to be Christians in the acting world. This is wrong logic, right? You don't, these people aren't the Holy Spirit. Right? The Holy Spirit's the Holy Spirit. Your job is to listen to the Holy Spirit, not be like, oh, that person's a Christian or says they're a Christian and they do this, so I'm going to do that mm-hmm. also. Right? That's something very common. Now, this is what the Spirit of the Lord says, 1 Corinthians 10.31. So whatever you do, whoever you date, whatever job you get, whatever you eat, whatever you drink, whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. That means to make God famous in whatever you do, mm-hmm. wherever you go, whatever role you accept, whatever boundary you have, do it to the glory of God. And the idea is that you can drink this matcha tea latte and enjoy God's presence more than this latte because you would do this as an act of worship, right? The way I behave, the way I act, the things I involved into ultimately point to making God famous. Romans 12 says this. Therefore, I urge you, dear brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Your body is an instrument for worship. Mm-hmm. The interesting thing, it's a sacrifice, though. Do not think that you can serve the Savior without making a sacrifice. Right, yeah. It's a living sacrifice, so you don't have to die. You just have to let certain things die. It might even be some of your dreams. Mm-hmm. might be a job. I know my wife has had to let some, some jobs go as a result of something similar to this. Yeah. And the last, the last verse I want to p- point out, and I'll let you go ham. Oh. Uh, Romans 12 says, do not conform to the pattern of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And when your mind is renewed, that means you think the thoughts that Jesus would think. You desire the things that Jesus desires. And you're so in tune with the spirit that you can smell sin from a mile away and run as far and as fast from it. That's what it means to have your mind completely transformed. And every day is a day that you're, cl- you're becoming closer to look and think like Jesus. Mm-hmm. 
So expect, expect your career to suffer. And, um, but, you, but you have to listen to the Holy Spirit. Yeah, Go absolutely. Ahead. I mean, even going back to Michelle's story, it's like you yeah. look at how God used her obedience, yeah. right? And what a blessing and all the things that are happening now. I am sure there's a, no ounce of regret right. in the decision that she made. And that's one of the greatest things um, this one of my mentors told me was, Krista, you will never regret being obedient to God and doing the right thing. Nope. There are lots of regrets in making those selfish mistakes or whatever it might have been, but you, it, there is no greater blessing in having no regret and being obedient to the Lord. Mm. Um, it's true. That's all I really have on that. Right. Uh, next question. Why is it okay to wear a bathing suit at the beach but not post pictures of myself in a bikini on Instagram? Mm. Please include Bible verses. <laughs> Because I'm not about to hear a man's opinion. I need the scriptures. Do we I have know. them? Yeah, we do. We got one. I got one. That's what I imagine was their afterthought. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, uh, I just, yeah, I need You got the Bible verses? I got the Bible verses. I got the bikini. You got the Bible <laughs> verses. Let's see how this ends. Let's not. Um, <laughs> Talking hypothetically. So good. So good. Okay. Um, okay, I'll start. You'll finish. Okay, so. Context is key, right? Yes. Wearing a bikini at the at the beach, okay. Wearing a bikini at Vons, maybe not, right? Maybe no you shirt, know. no shoes, no no, no service. <laughs> yeah. So context is key. So um, you have to think, you know, uh, that that this is an area where discretion is necessary. And Proverbs eleven twenty two Bible verse: a woman or a man, right? This is this is written to a woman or a man about your ability to make wise choices says this like a gold ring in a pig's snout so is a woman or a man who lacks discretion right you need to be discreet mm-hmm. right you don't leverage the decisions that you make about your body or yourself or your wit or your whatever you don't leverage that over people you don't just you know like wow you have a banging body you don't leverage that to be on display, uh, to compete with other people. That's not discreet at all. Or you can do that. You, you can lack discretion in your wisdom. Like you don't just like drop major knowledge bombs on people when they're just trying to like, you know, ask questions or I don't know, ask questions about coffee. And you're like, oh, well, the Arabica bean originated in, you know, South Africa, right? You don't, you want to be, you want to show discretion whenever you're in a particular context so that you can match people on their level, but you don't, you don't want um, you, you need to manage your body in a way that is discreet, that shows that you are at least showing discretion. But without, you know, I'll let you handle the body part stuff. So, Well, honestly, I think for questions like this, um, I never give answers that are like, never post a picture of you in your bikini on Instagram, like black and white, things like that. Because what I think the heart of God is, is that he's looking at your heart. Right. God is much less concerned with our behaviors and much more concerned about our hearts and what's in them and what's behind it all. Mm -hmm. And so I have pictured, I mean, I don't wear bikinis, not because I'm trying to be super conservative, but it's because I'm not really bikini ready. And I never really, (laughs) like after 29 years, I've just never really been bikini ready. Same thing. Um, Yeah, I know you don't wear bikinis and we just don't, we just don't wear bikinis. I just don't want to cause anybody to stumble. But I've had, (laughs) exactly. (laughs) 
Yeah, we appreciate it. We You're appreciate right. it. You're welcome. For whatever reason World. it might be, we appreciate you not in a bikini. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but I have taken photos, right? We had a retreat. Like, one of the first things I ever did mm -hmm. back when it was Soma, we had a retreat. We went to Palm Springs. We were having a great time. We, yeah. we were in the pool. There were pictures taken. Just great memories with friends. And so I think it's very different posting pictures of you guys playing a game in the pool, having a great time of fellowship. And then there's the post where it's like, Where's my best angle? Did I, like, position myself just right? And then you're compulsively checking who liked this photo. Did that guy that I wanted to see this photo see this photo yet? Did he like the photo? If I put it in my story, can I see if he looked at my story? We know what's in our hearts when we post these things, right? God knows even better. And so sometimes we have to ask God, God, would you search my heart? Would you just search my heart right now and reveal even to me the unknown things of my heart if I have the wrong motives? And posting whatever you post, right? Right. Um, and so I would just say God cares about the heart much less than your behavior. Um, and then, of course, you want to be discreet. You want to be wise. We are – people are looking at us. They know you're a Christian. They're looking at you. And keep right. always keep that in your mind. Yeah, and the most attractive thing about you should not be what you show on the outside. Yeah. Anyways, next question. I want to get back together with my ex who treated me poorly. I feel I should give her a second chance. Oh. Uh, yeah, I think most people would say no. I don't know. But, but without answering the question for them, um, the idea is that they want. They want. They want. They want. Right? You, you, all of us have desires in our heart. And we cannot trust our heart. Right, and so you, I mean, the the best thing this person did was ask somebody wiser. Um, you know, you know, not you know. I I, I appreciate that, uh, but they they need to know that their heart is like a Jack Sparrow compass, right? It will just show you what you want to see, right? So if you're lonely, yeah, yeah, yeah. if you're lonely, it will show you what you want to see, right? And so what happened? This person broke up with their girlfriend. There's been some time, and they're like, oh, they're starting to feel lonely, right? They're starting to see that there's a gap in their life, and they're... Or maybe the girl's like, take me back. I've changed. I've changed. Yeah, yeah. They're trying to make a promise, right? Oh, yeah. And so this is what I want to say. This is what I want to say. A past, the past is a better indication of the future than a promise. The past is a better indication of the future than a promise, which means a promise is not good enough to bank on life change. And if they treated you poorly in the past, a promise is not going to change that. All right? So two things I think they should do. Mm -hmm. They should talk to their life group leader. Yes. Talk to Krista <laughs> if you're a girl. Uh, <laughs> talk to Troy if you're a dude. Um, and then study the right person list because most likely you have a problem with your picker. Right? You're picking the wrong people. And so you need to know what you should be picking. And that's in 1 Corinthians 13. Study the list. Do and practice the list. Like, the stuff that we talk about, people get so comfortable showing up on Sunday nights, and they hear the advice, and they're like, oh, yeah, that's a great idea. Let's get some in and out. And they forget, like it's gone. Right? I would recommend, if you've never looked at the right person list, today would be the day that you would do that. 1 Corinthians 13. Krista, let's go. 
All right. Yeah, and wise counsel, honestly. Uh, when we're in it, it's so, you know, how you, like, people say you take your own advice. I I tell my girls when they bring up situations like this to me, like, well, but I was still thinking, you know, this about him and this this justification and this and this. I say, well, what would you say if so-and-so came to you with the same scenario? What would you tell her? Maybe like, oh, do not get back together with him. Right. right? It's always really clear when it's somebody else. And so I think there's a, just a lot of safety in going to someone else's wisdom who's not in it. Especially if they're treating you poorly. Yeah, yeah. You don't want to be mistreated. Yeah. Um, all right. When's the best time to tell somebody that I like them? I want to be something more, but that person needs time before getting into a serious relationship. Well, Somehow they know they need yeah. time or they said they needed time. That, you know what? This is similar to our earlier conversation I yeah. think we had. Um, yeah, I think Yeah, I, th- I think this is very similar to the last question. Yeah. Um, where th- they, they need to take the graceful exit. They're unavailable. They are unavailable. Mm-hmm. Don't chase after someone who doesn't want to get caught. Yep. All right, next question. Uh, what if he says he's Catholic mm. and he goes to church when uh. you ask, are you a Christian? Are you a Christian? I'm a Catholic and I go to church. Oh. What do you do with that? <laughs> ah, uh, okay, cool. What? Uh, okay, Okay. let's just say the Christian thing. Let's even say, even if they say they're Christian, uh-huh. all right, what are some of the things that come to your mind? What do you think the world thinks when they hear the word Christian? Like just off the street, you know, they, they see the word Christian. What do they think about you? They think you're judgmental. Mm-hmm. They think maybe you maybe go to church. Small-minded. You're hypocrite. You are homophobic. All those things, right? I don't think the world needs more Christians. I think they need more Jesus followers. Yes. For sure. And the thing is, is that we're not looking for people to check a box in in the in the category of Christianity. We're looking people. We're looking for people who are madly in love with Jesus, more in love with Jesus than they are with themselves, and with and and they are with you. Mm-hmm. Thoughts? No, yeah, I think that's right on. I think um, just in the same thing when I talked about guys I'd meet online dating and they're like, oh, yeah, I'm a Christian. I go to church. You can say you're a believer. You go to church. Um, But there's definitely a distinction between someone who's actively growing, walking with the Lord, growing in spiritual maturity. And you can usually tell those things pretty quickly. Completely. Yeah. Next question. What is the church's view on same-sex relationships? And what's Christianity's view? Well, that's interesting because I think the church's view is pretty awesome about same-sex relationships because I have a lot of same-sex relationships. Yeah, yeah like one of my best friends is a man. Mm-hmm. You know, I have the same thing. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's your crazy. Wife actually, is my, my best friend. Yeah, so you got same-sex relationships. Same we got relationships. Sex, I mean, and the church definitely condones same-sex relationships. We are built to be relational. Yeah, perfect. Should we go on to the next question? <laughs> I think what they're probably implying, oh. what they're probably implying okay. is like same-sex sexual, sexual relationships. relationships. Oh, so. That sounded like we practiced it and we really <laughs> didn't. We're just playing yes and. We've just been to a couple of improv uh, classes. You did improv? For I've a never a hot that. minute with Michelle. She crushes it. Um, I'd pay to see it. Dude. Uh, so se- sexual relationships. <laughs> Talking about sexual relationships here. Uh, Same-sex sexual relationships. So the person, I see, this is a tricky question because it's almost a trap because most people will ask Jesus followers, like literally, I was like watching an interview, but most people will ask Jesus followers, what's the church's view on same-sex relationships? Don't fall into the trap because relationships are awesome. 
you know, David and Jonathan had a relationship. It was that a was, strong bond. It was a strong bond. Yeah. And, it was, and in that day, like the way they viewed women, that bond was almost even better and greater than that of a woman. Yeah, that's what it says. That's what it says in the Bible, so I'm not making that stuff up. So, um, so same-sex sexual relationships, right? <laughs> well, I would say this. It's the same almost as same-sex or, or even opposite-sex sexual relationships out of the context of marriage. You know, they're, they're both prohibited. They, they both need to be abstained from. And so, but the reality is, it's not just this. Abstinence from anything outside of God's will is required for the Jesus follower. So sex is for marriage, and marriage is between two sexually different people for one lifetime. And I use the term sexually different for a reason, because it follows the created order in which God intended when he made us. Because he created us with intent, but he also created the world through opposites, such as heaven, earth, light, dark, day, night, sky, water, sea, land, sun, moon, male, female. Right? And marriage is meant <laughs> for two sexually different people. Yeah. And so... Sex is for marriage. Marriage is between two sexually different people. That's kind of what I would say biblically. Yeah, I think that's right. But this is for Jesus followers. So if you're not a Jesus follower, like, you got a lot of, like, limited freedom. Right. And I think it's important also to say, like, there is a place for same-sex people, same-sex relationships, attracted people, all that, to come to church. Totally. Like, you always have a seat in Rocky Peak, you know, Mm -hmm. if you're seeking God. Absolutely, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, next question, which I just got this one tonight from, you know, some 16-year-olds. Uh, is masturbating sinful? Yes, Krista, go ahead and tell us. All right. Well, I, uh, it's interesting because I... mean, I sinful, is it like full of sin? Is it full of sin in masturbating or is it just like, is it a sin? Full of sin? Okay. Like sinful. Let me just, I'll sinful. just answer the question. Okay. <laughs> This has caused debate. Mm-hmm. Oh, that splash. Sorry, you're in the splash zone. I am. Uh, so this, is, this causes debate sometimes. I've asked um, a lot of, I've asked my mama friends about this. Um, I've done a lot of studying about it. And ultimately, I think what it comes down to is what we talked about earlier is that God is more concerned with your heart than he is with your physical behavior. Mm-hmm. And we can see Jesus on this earth talking to people about the hatred in their heart being considered murder. So he's telling this guy, the hatred that you have because you hate your brother, it's considered murder. Right. The guy can be like, whoa, I don't, I didn't touch the guy. I didn't lay a finger on him. I hate his guts. I want him to die. That would be fine. But I'm not going to kill him. Right. And the same thing with, uh, with adultery. Or, you know, he says, if you look at a woman lustfully, yeah. then you've committed adultery in your heart. And God sees it the same as if you actually did the act. But, you, but the guy could be like, whoa, this is not a me too moment. Right. I did not force myself on this person. I'm just, I'm just looking. I'm not touching, right? right? Jesus doesn't care. He's concerned with your heart. And so I would challenge the people who say, 
Well, when I masturbate, I have the purest of thoughts. And I'm right. not thinking about anything I shouldn't be thinking about or looking at things I shouldn't be looking at or anything of the sort. It is com- a completely pure act. <laughs> I would really challenge you to ask yourself, can you masturbate with pure thought, pure heart? And usually the answer is no. Yeah, I mean, but even when you ask the question, I'm sure there's a guy out there like, oh, let me see. And it's like, I'll like challenge not, accepted. Challenge accepted, right? Like, oh, you know, I wasn't paying attention that time. I gotta. Um, so but, uh, there's even another. Well, so there's another part of this. The, the way Andrew oh, yeah, said to ahead. the 16 year olds. Okay, also, um, here's the thing too about masturbating is that usually the person who's asking about is masturbating sinful is usually in a stronghold to masturbation. Right. You cannot most. So if you're in a stronghold to masturbation and you can't go one week without masturbating, okay, if you can't go any length of time without masturbating, then I would say that's a stronghold in your life, and you need to look at in the same way of somebody who um, eats compulsively or has any other kind of stronghold in their life, any other addiction, we're told to not be a slave to anything. If this masturbation, if that's your master, then you need to cut that out of your life. Absolutely. And I think one of the greatest lies is that um, women don't struggle with masturbating as much as men because, yes, they do. And I think another thing is that because it is such a stronghold, you think, like, there is no way to get freedom from this. But, yes, you can. And I've walked with lots of women who are walking in freedom from compulsive masturbation, being a slave to masturbation. And it's an amazing thing what God can do. He can free you from literally anything. Absolutely. Well said. I, uh... Next question. All right. Uh, okay. Is oh, how do I love my friend well who has shared with me that they're struggling with same-sex attraction? This is an excellent question. This is also another one that I get a lot in my talks. Um, absolutely, I think it's amazing that your friend thought that you were trustworthy enough to confide in you. Um, there's a couple things I would want to ask with this scenario, and that is um, assuming, like, let's say you're a guy and your guy friend says he struggles with same-sex attraction, or you're a girl and, and your friend who is also a girl says she's struggling with same-sex attraction. I would be very clear. Oh, also, I'm just going to throw this out there because I know we're getting – um, close on time. I throw this out there. If you are the person who's struggling with same-sex attraction, if that is you, absolutely under no circumstances would I ever recommend telling the person that you have the feelings for, whether or not you're admitting it to them or not, don't go to your, if you are struggling with feelings for your best friend, do not go to your best friend and say, I'm struggling with same-sex attraction. Um, you need to find someone that you can create, that you can have a close bond with that isn't going to mess with your recovery in this area, and you confide in them, a safe person. Also, I would look to somebody who is more of a mentor to you. Um, but if you are this friend who your friend has told you they struggle, I would ask them very clearly what their expectations are of you. Do they just need you to be a listening ear? Are they asking you to be accountability in your life? Um, are they going to, because they might get all resentful, like my friend hasn't checked up on me and asked me how I'm doing with my same-sex attraction in a while. So I would just be really careful um, Ask them exactly what are their expectations. Um, I would encourage them in even coming to CR, in opening up to um, a ne- like a life group leader type person, somebody that is um, farther along in their walk with the Lord. Um, and 
ultimately, you never, someone who's same-sex attracted, the goal is never to make them straight. No. You're not trying to change somebody's sexuality. What we're all doing for each other, whether they're same-sex attracted or straight or whatever, we're all supposed to be encouraging our friends into deeper intimacy with Jesus Christ. And that is the only thing that heals us and, and changes our hearts and frees us from different things. Mm -hmm. And so how do you lead your friend into deeper intimacy with Jesus Christ that might look different case to case? And so add a little bit of extra wisdom, some help, some CR, whatever it might be. There's lots of resources to help you and your friend together. Well said, well said. Okay, this, uh, this last question, and then we'll go into the speed round. Uh, <clears throat> is having a medical abortion at three weeks any different than a procedure at three months? Krista? Okay, so this is asking, again, this could be two different ways. So is there a difference? Um, in the physicalities, yes, there is a difference. Um, when it's early on, when it's before 10 weeks, you can take um, an abortion pill. Uh, it can be a two-pill regimen. One pill ends the life of the baby inside. The other pill causes um, intense cramping, basically a forced miscarriage. You can do it at home, um, and you probably need to take a couple days off. Um, or you can go in at three months. You can have procedures. There's a lot more that goes into these procedures, depending on how far along you are. But I don't really think that's what this question is asking it's probably asking about is it more or less good or bad is it worse morally to have an abortion at um, three weeks versus three months or before it has a heartbeat arms and legs type of thing and just to talk a little bit about the abortion um, argument right this is something that I go through with the high schoolers um, I'll, I'll just get into the pro-life pro-choice debate just a little bit because I think as Christians if we are pro-life right we maybe feel a little bit ill-equipped because it's a really hostile place out there when you're saying that you're pro-life in 2018 in a time like this um, but usually the justification so three weeks it's early on or whatever the justifications for abortion will usually look like you don't have enough money to financially support a family right now. You, you're not ready for a baby. It's going to get in the way of your schooling. Maybe um, there are different things, different circumstances around the situation, like uh, maybe it was a product of rape. Maybe um, the father of the baby is nowhere to be seen, and you're going to be all alone, or your parents want you to get this abortion. Or There's lots of reasons why somebody would justify an abortion. But when we see these justifications, we have to admit that what we're doing is that we're saying – the, the way that we consider life to be valuable, the way that we assign value to life is defined by the circumstances. And so a lot of times people will ask the question, if you're pro-life, they'll say, oh, so when does life begin? But I think it's the wrong question because it wants a philosophical answer. It's asking a scientific question, but it wants a philosophical answer. And so I think you have to ask the philosophical question, and that is, when is life considered valuable? Three weeks? three months, whatever it might be. And so if we put time limits on, on things, or we put circumstances on things, then we are agreeing to align ourselves with the same justifications that say Down syndrome babies don't have value. The Jews in the Holocaust had no value. Today, currently, right now, millions of babies in India are being poisoned, thrown in rivers because women have no value in India or in China. Or we see gay people have no value in the Middle East. It's perfectly acceptable to execute them, throw them off a building because their society defines value with the same argument that we use to justify abortion. And so that's why I would say there is no difference what how old you are, what your location is in the womb, out of the womb. As Christians, we, al we align ourselves with God's definition of how people have value. And that is that because of what Jesus Christ did, every single person has infinite value in the eyes of God. And that's how that's we right. should view people. 
Well said, well said. Um, yeah, Krista, bringing it home. All right, so we're going to go into the speed round. We're going to actually extend it just five minutes. Can we get five minutes? Is that cool? Um, just five minutes. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. So we're going to go fast. Um, by the way, well said on the abortion stuff. Man, gosh, people just need to hear that. Um, okay, so first question. All right. Uh, what would you recommend I do if I'm terrified of hurting others to the point that I'm unwilling to shut people down, say no, and resist advances? Even I'm guessing maybe these are sexual advances. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What um, would you recommend I do? First of all, buy the book Boundaries uh, by uh, yeah. Henry Cloud and John Townsend, and it tells you when to say yes and how to say no. Take control of your life. Boundaries, 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 right? No is not a bad word. All right, so it's a beautiful word, actually. It, uh, you know. So next, next question. Um, okay, so um, today's date. Is this? Okay, yeah. these, this person has a lot of questions. Yeah, they did. Let's start from How, here. Oh, so you want to? Oh, I don't. Okay. Yeah, is birth control is is birth control okay to take within marriage, or is that considered abortion? Okay, well, this is a bit of a loaded question. There are two types of birth control. You have barrier methods, and you have hormonal methods. Barrier methods are usually widely accepted by everybody. They're not controversial. There is no, when you have a barrier method, something like a condom, a diaphragm, there is a barrier between the sperm actually getting to the egg, um, and so it prevents conception. Hormonal birth control can be preventative, but it can also be, there is risks for certain ones to be abortifacient. So let's say that the sperm does fertilize the egg, um, but it has made the uterus a hostile environment where it will not be able to attach to the wall. So the fertilized egg, then she still will get a period, but there was a fertilized egg there. And so it, it's a bit of a loaded question. Right. And so that's a good thing to talk about with your doctor, um, with a pastor that you trust, yeah. something and like and that. And this person is asking if it's considered a abortion to use birth control and i would just say no i think it's something that each per that if you ask certain women if you ask like depending on who you ask or depending what kind of birth control or what method. kind of birth control yeah. you're using it's different for each one is it preventative or is it an abortifacient certain oh. hormonal birth controls do yeah. have the risk of being abortifacient but i would never go to one of my christian friends and condemn them for their birth control not right. no, you know but we have had women who did come to CPC feeling like with a really heavy conscience of ending taking their hormonal birth control because of the chance that it might have been an abortifacient. So awesome. it's something that requires a little bit more conversation. Love it. Uh, I like the last one. Krista said, <laughs> if you're not attracting <laughs> Christian men, examine yourself. But what if you're not attracting anyone? Okay, maybe you should, <laughs> maybe you should clarify. That was what me, honestly. I wasn't what? attracting anybody. Or nobody had the courage yeah, cl clarify what you meant. Uh, to clarify, oh, it, I just think it, that's just what I, the point I was making is if you are attracting guys who enjoy hanging out with you because the things you have in common are things that are not glorifying to the Lord, right. I think that becomes an issue. If you have guys that like to, I don't know, if, it, if they're getting sexual needs met with you and you're not putting a stop to any of it, of course that relationship can continue. They're not going to care that you're a Christian or not. You're right. doing things they want to do. Or partying or whatever. Whatever it might be, I think that's more the point I'm making. Um, and I wasn't attracting anybody either for a long time. <laughs> yeah, and I honestly think that, you know, 
Um, I like what we talked about earlier. It's not about attracting or searching. It's about being available. Yeah, but you're you're being available while seeking the Lord first. Yes, yeah. Relation. There's other things that are more important than this. You're seeking the Lord by being available. I like that. I like this question. Okay. Dating fast! Exclamation mark. Yes. What would God say about those? Well, I've done it before. Yeah. And I think, um, so there was a time, um, years ago I had gotten out of a sinful relationship and it had been like, it had been a year or almost two years and I never really felt recovered from it because every relationship I was getting into just kept being unhealthy, unhealthy, unhealthy relationship. And I'd be like, I'm only going to date the most Christian men I can find. And yet still I was finding myself in unhealthy relationships. Eventually I found CR recovery. They recommend well, in your first year of recovery to not be dating anybody because you got a lot of stuff you need right. to go through that would be a lot for somebody else to be in it with you. It's just better, easier, wiser, I think, mm-hmm. to not have to worry about starting a relationship in your recovery. And so I needed a lot of healing. And so I committed to a year of just focusing on my recovery, focusing on making sure I knew what a healthy relationship looked like, um, breaking the destructive cycles in my life, getting free of certain strongholds in my life. And I decided, you know what, I shouldn't be in a relationship with a man if I'm not free from these certain things. And I got to figure out how to do that. Um, Because when you're dating, you want to be dating somebody to get married. And if you're not ready to get married, then you probably shouldn't be dating. Um, And so I think dating fast, yes, can be a great thing. I would just um, make sure that you have people in it with you, walking with you, wise mentors, people discipling you, and have your clear boundaries, and make sure that God is calling you to this fast. Any fast that you do, you should Mm -hmm. make sure that you're being called by the Lord to do it. Yeah, and there's a a book that... um that by Andy Stanley that I recommend. It's called The New Rules for Love, Sex, and Dating, and I would recommend you reading that. It actually ends with instructions on a dating fast. It's called The New Rules for Love, Sex, and Dating. Next question. If you're a new believer and have friends that are neglecting you because of your new priorities, what is the best way to move forward but keep a respectful and godly example? Well, first of all, I, I just would like to say persecution should be expected, and, and that's actually a beautiful thing. If you get to participate in persecution, you are actually uh, partnering with Jesus, right? So this is actually a good thing. If your friends don't want to be around you because, you know, you're not doing the things that you used to do, uh, that's not a bad thing. Now, you might find yourself a little lonely, but that's why there's life group. That's why there's Sunday nights and things like that. So anything to add on that? I think it's good. Good. Next question. Um, okay, how do I explain to guys I am looking for a serious relationship, not just another guy friend? Mm. I'm all about being totally clear and upfront yes. about what you want. You, why not? D- like, if uh, I was dating this one guy um, recently, and um, he wanted to go out and hang out with me, but he didn't want to call it a date. And he would ask me out, but he would yeah. be like, let's hang out. And I would say, hey, I don't hang out with guys one-on-one. I, I date men like I'll go on a date with you but I'm not going to hang out with you because I'm not interested in being friends and he was like well if you call it a date it's all this pressure and like I just you know then it's just it makes it weird because Christian dating is so hard and there's just all these expectations and I was like well it sounds like maybe you have some baggage there let me help relieve you I'm not expecting you to propose to me I just the way the reason why I call it dates is because we can have a clear start and a clear end if we need to, and then we can transition into trying to be friends or something. Um, but I think it's really important to be clear about what your expectations are and not feel guilty about it. You can tell them, look, I'm not interested in being friends with you. I'm, I'm interested in you and getting to know you and maybe being in a relationship with you. And if that 
is off-putting to them, then move on. I agree. Well done. Uh, this question here, um, I'm going to go with this one right now. Okay. Are we just as valuable being a virgin versus non-virgin going into marriage? Okay, so the value conversation just really needs to be clear that your value is in Jesus and it's never in what you have done or what has been done to you or what you have to offer, right? Mm-hmm. right? You know, um, you are saved by grace through faith, not of your work so that no one can boast. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, memorize it. You know, don't get a tattoo about it, but if you want to, it'd be like, that's totally a Christian thing to do. Um, so, so yeah, so your value is not in that virgin versus non-virgin thing. And hopefully uh, the person that you would marry wouldn't actually hold that against you over your head. Yeah. Any other thoughts on that value? Yeah. I mean, there's a lot I could say about value. I mean, honestly, nothing in and of itself is inherently valuable. That's just the truth of the way things are. Uh, an illustration I give to the teenagers is, let's say that we're in the apocalypse, right? And there's no food and the zombies have come for us and we're all scavenging. And so you have this group of survivors and you come across a cave and in this cave, in the, the, uh, the apocalypse, whole crazy destruction, a huge pyramid of Twinkies has survived, right? So there's Twinkies, and right next to the Twinkies, there's a huge mound of gold and diamonds and rubies, right? What is everybody surviving the apocalypse going to scramble to get? The Twinkies, right? That is what they need. And so value is defined by the lengths at which a person will go to have that thing. That's how you know it's valuable. We value the dumbest things that takes people nothing to – who's ever deleted an Instagram picture because it didn't get enough likes? Nobody was willing Only to Only me and you. Okay. Um, <laughs> we put so much value on these things, and yet it costs somebody nothing to double tap. Double tap. It costs them nothing. Absolutely nothing. Nothing in and of itself is inherently valuable. It's only valuable because of the length. Somebody will go to have that thing, and that's how we know that we are valuable because Jesus Christ went to the length of going to the cross and dying for us and told us and proved it on the cross that we're valuable. That's right. And that Amen. value never changes. Amen. 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 Okay, last question. Why does God make our bodies ready for sex before it's legal to get married? Why do we go through puberty not at 18 years old? Right. Right. So, I mean, I have a couple thoughts on that as far as, you know, biology doesn't determine morality. So biology doesn't determine determine morality. So whether it's legal or illegal to get married still doesn't necessarily determine whether or not you should be getting married. So if the law was like 15 to get married, then you, you wouldn't necessarily do that. Um, this is a particular culture. We, we are in a corrupt society, right? Our bodies were made and we have been corrupted by sin, right? And so we are navigating the waters of, an, of a corrupted system that God event- initially put in place, but but has been corrupted. And so what happens is biologically we may be ready for things, but our mind hasn't caught up. Our, our ability to respond, like responsibility hasn't caught up. Like there's a lot of problems. For instance, um, I may be predisposed to, to anger, right? There may be a biological p- component in my body that makes me more prone towards anger. It still makes me responsible for the decisions I make when I'm angry, right? Just because there's a biological component doesn't make it morally acceptable for me to express my anger, Right, I can have a, a biological component towards. Um, a, a, I can have a really, really high sex drive, 
it doesn't make it morally acceptable to express my sexual desires at any point in my life. So biology does not determine morality. Yeah, and I think when you, I, I heard a really great teacher talk about um, being awakened, right? So you go through puberty, you have all these hormones, you have been awakened. Yeah. But he talks about this awakening, this sexual awakening, all of a sudden boys are noticing, whoa, girls, and girls are like, whoa, these boys are like so mysterious, they have pimply faces, but for some reason they're just, I want to know more about them. Um, and so you've been awakened, but it doesn't mean we've been awakened to just be animals looking for a mate. We've been awakened mm. to train to be a man, and you're yeah. training to be a woman. And you're, you're learning how are you going to manage these things. And I think in our culture, I mean, if we go way back, uh, 15, 16-year-old men were leading other men into battle. Totally. Way back then. And um, starting families younger, and, you know, you, you didn't have the 30-year-old, like, am I really ready to settle down yet? you know yeah. and so you've been sexually awakened for a really long time of course you're struggling to right. you know not act on it but i think there's a difference between being awakened i think that's how you know it's training time the lord is ready to train you up find mentors that will help teach you what it means to be a man be a woman and yes. live a life worthy of the gospel well can we thank krista one more time for joining us we invite the band up um krista before you leave you know um you know i mean it's been great having you. Uh, I'm so glad that you are on staff and then you get it's to, be, to a be a here. life group leader and you're like impacting and changing lives both on social media uh, through because she oversees our social media at our church and but also on worship. And then you're just a really great example. And so I just really appreciate you personally. So thank, thank you, you again. Can I add one note? Yeah. I just want to say if there's anybody here, I know we talked about a lot of he heavy stuff, but 100% like I am available. If you are that person who is struggling with same-sex attraction, I, I have the privilege of walking with a lot of ladies right. who struggle. And that's something that I've witnessed a lot of victory in and CR. And I've see, I just hear so many testimonies, people who say there are certain um, strongholds, you know, can't be broken that's a lie yeah. from the pit of hell and or if you're a slave to masturbation or if you have had an abortion and you've never told anybody about it or anything at all if there's anything that you might feel fearful to share I just want you to know um, I would be so honored to walk with you and talk with you and absolutely um, keep everything in complete confidence um, and we need each other and I know there are plenty of other life group leaders here leaders here men and women who would be so happy and privileged to um, walk through anything you're going through. Great, yeah. great, great. Let's pray, and then uh, we'll go ahead and into our next set of worship, and then I'll close. Father, uh, bless your children, those who uh, had the courage to speak up and ask a question. Father, I pray that you would be our counselor. Thank you that you sent your Holy Spirit to be our counselor, and that you give wisdom to those who ask for it. I pray, Father, that we would not go through this life just continuing to make decisions on our own but we would seek your face and seek your wisdom and seek your righteousness above all else give us the the heart to listen to your voice even tonight the things that were said the advice that was given i pray that you give us the strength to listen and the courage to follow anything that the spirit was saying tonight even right now, I pray that you would speak to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.